Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hatin' while I skatin' all the while masturbatin'. That's, that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Mo, we're back once again. We're, uh, not, yeah. not quite as soon as I was hoping we would be back, but not too bad. Um, no. Mo, you've been in a lot of pain recently, that's my understanding. Yeah. What's this all about? Why... Yeah. What's up with all the pain that you're in? Well, you know, existential ennui, that sort of thing. No, um, I uh, I cracked a tooth about two years ago and uh, just never did anything with it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's the smart thing to do. And I'm always about doing the smart and accurate and right thing to it's do. It's your reputation, though, um, and you live up to it my, every time. Ex- exactly, exactly. So... Uh, yeah, it's finally gotten to the point where the, the root is exposed and it fucking hurts so bad. Um, so basically the, I think the last time we were supposed to record, Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember if I was sick or if it was tooth pain and then (laughs) I think you had like 12 things wrong with you if I remember Yeah, yeah. Just like every fucking (laughs) thing that could go wrong with me was going wrong with me. And then uh, the following week, uh, my tooth was hurting me so bad, I think I got like two and a half hours sleep. And I was literally falling asleep as I was Mm. uh, watching the movie. But yet somehow still typing notes. (laughs) So, So like I'd wake up and there'd be all these notes that I don't remember writing and like halfway through the, the, through my notes, I changed the main character's name <laughs> and there were, and there were all these characters who like got introduced that I have no idea how I knew their name because I don't remember them being introduced. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, no, I like, I just called it. I'm like, well, we'll do it next weekend. We'll do it live. And yeah, we'll do it live. It's a timely reference. And, I just uh, made there. Mo. Right. So I ended up getting myself some, uh, some of that clove oil. Okay. And uh, boy, howdy. Woo-wee. That stuff works. You know what you should do is uh, smoke a big blunt. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got a brownie and, uh, and a couple of days where the pain was extra bad. I, I ate a couple of pieces of it and uh, I felt okay. Mo. Yeah. Well, on this episode of No Budget Nightmares, we have a little Novocaine for the soul in the form of a Todd Sheets feature from the year 1997, Mo! Yes. The year of our Lord, 1997, the year that punk broke. And uh, this is actually, I mean, we're not going to get into the movie quite yet, but I have a, 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 I have a confession to make. 
Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I quit. I, quit. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, this was my first time seeing Violent New Breed. Mm. Uh, and which is strange because A, it's a Todd Sheets movie, and B, it features the legendary Rudy Ray Moore. And there was a time, Mo, and I don't want to, um, suck my own dick too hard, but there was a time. I've, I, anytime you say that, I will never <laughs> believe it. But I, I think I think if you could have ribs removed so that you could reach your own penis, you would suck your dick nonstop. Yeah, but that's just with my hand, not with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, at one point, I was uh, uh, literally the biggest Dolomite fan in all of Ontario. Uh, I was called that when they had a screening of a 35-millimeter print of Dolomite in Toronto. I was officially the biggest Dolomite fan in the audience. I was smoking a cigar. They gave me some free pornography for it. I was announced as the big Dolomite fan. It's pretty much the most losery fucking d- distinction I've ever had, Mo. But mm. but it is a dick-sucking-worthy distinction. Mo, we have a big announcement to make at the top of the episode. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> All right. So some some of you remember may may remember uh, back when we did. I don't. I forget which episode spectacular it was, but <laughs> you know, you know, you know us with our random fucking spectacular. I think it was uh, five episodes ago. So maybe two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Back in the heyday when we were making six episodes a year, um, we uh, we talked with uh, J.R. Bookwalter, and if you remember, we had our episode on uh, the Dead Next Door featured as a commentary track on his Blu-ray release for said movie, mm-hmm. and we had and he had talked at the time about uh, doing the same sort of treatment to Robot Ninja, and of course we immediately jumped all over him and were like, "You need." to let us do a commentary track for robot ninja. And, uh, and at some point in the future, uh, past that he contacted us and wanted to use our episode and Doug brilliantly, <laughs> like just threw his hands up. At the, they're like, he's like, fuck no. I, I, <laughs> Don't you? All, all that was going through my mind, Mo was how I mispronounced his name for like the whole goddamn episode. So I was right. like, you know what, uh, JR, how about I'll do you one better. We're going to record a brand new commentary for Robot Ninja. And he was like, are you sure you guys want to do that? I'm like, yes. I'm 100% yes. sure. <laughs> 100% fucking sure. Uh, so, uh, so we did it. And in fact, yeah. we did this quite a while ago. A long time ago. And if I remember correctly, Mo, I was really happy with it. I thought we did a pretty fucking good job, all things considered. Uh, and um, if, if I'm being completely honest, I forgot we even did that <laughs> until you mentioned it to me about 20 fucking minutes ago. So. <laughs> well, I remember it being good. Um, so this is, as I, as Mo just alluded to and as I just said, this is a brand new original commentary for Robot Ninja. It is going to be on the upcoming uh, Ultimate Edition Blu-ray set of Robot Ninja. Uh, which is so fucking cool. It's really cool. So there's a brand new 2K scan, I believe, of Robot Ninja, which is kind of the, the central piece of it. But it will also include the 1989 version of the movie. And we have a commentary on that version. Which is almost appropriate. Oh, it's more maybe. than appropriate. Yeah. And, like, don't, don't give us a commentary track on the good-looking one. <laughs> I, I, someone mentioned to me today that uh, there is a brand new interview with David Dakota on that 
uh, Blu-ray as well. So this is wow. the first time, Mo, that we appear on a <laughs> Blu-ray slash DVD combo with David Dakota. That's that's pretty impressive. It's more impressive if, <laughs> like, we don't talk about David Dakota very often on this podcast, but over on no. my other podcast, we talk about it quite a bit. I've watched <laughs> ten of his fourteen Eric Roberts collaborations, so <laughs> so I have a bone to pick with him. I have to say. Yeah. But uh, look forward to that. It's, it should be available pretty soon. I know that the 2K version is already available. I believe it's on uh, Vimeo and maybe on iTunes as well. well. We'll confirm that and put that in the show notes. But uh, but yes, pretty soon you'll be able to listen to a brand new commentary. And we definitely recommend you do because despite Moe's lack of remembering, I remember it being pretty good. Oh, I'm sure it's great. You know, <laughs> I don't <it's>, know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, look, look. It can't possibly be as bad as our Light of Blood fucking uh, commentary track. I is. prepared quite a bit for that commentary, Mo, and I bet it's pretty good. Not that I have listened yeah. to it since our recording. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all in the past. I mean, literally, that is all in the past. In the past. But today, Mo, we're looking to the future. And by the future, I mean 1997. 1997. <laughs> Mo, what were you doing in 1997? Uh, I was full on punk rock by that uh-huh, point. You were a skater boy. Uh, Said, I See you later, I, boy. I, I, I was not. Um, so it really was the year that punk broke, or at least for Mo Born. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I, a couple of years earlier for me. But um, uh, yeah, I was already playing in bands at that point, uh, you know, doing the drum thing and uh, heavily into, um, you know, cult film. So. I, I, at this point in my life, I was already well aware of who Todd Sheets was, and I'd probably already seen Moonchild sure. and Zombie Rampage at this point. I don't know if I had seen this yet, but this was my second time watching this. The uh, uh, the tagline for this movie, by the way, Mo, is a brutal look at the future like you have never seen. <laughs> Isn't there an entire genre of Italian film that is nothing but brutal looks at the future? I mean, I live in the future, and it's just brutal to exist, so I don't really need to watch that kind of thing. But yeah, this is a futuristic... I wouldn't call Violet New Breed a science fiction movie, Mo. Um, No. In fact, if I was to describe it, I would call it potentially faith-based gore horror. (laughs) Because it's all of those things. (laughs) It really is. It's a very unusual movie, but I have to say, uh, not to give too much away already, I, I, this is a lot more polished than the shot on video Todd Sheets work that came earlier in this decade. Uh, I will, I will say that the, that the computer graphics used on this one were significantly better than the ones used on Moonchild. So, hey, you know, he's putting the effort in, but no, this, like, this is a. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to things like Nightmare Asylum or Goblin or whatever, movies that right. obviously did not have a fully formed script and there was obviously a lot being done on the fly, this... It, I don't think Nightmare Asylum had a script at all. I, I'm just trying to be kind. That's all, Mo. Uh, that, that this movie obviously has a script, obviously has locations. Uh, the lighting yeah. is a lot better. Now, the version of oh, the movie yeah. that we watch is a pretty rough version. Uh, it still looks pretty good. It's still it's perfectly serviceable. There's some audio issues, as there usually will be with shot on video work of this time period. But you know, for the most part, I even though the plot is complex, it it's a very comprehensible movie. 
What a what a damning by faint praise. <laughs> it mostly makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like eighty seven percent good. Hey, I had a better time with this than Iowa by about a thousand fucking percent. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Glad we're agreed, Mel. Maybe we should start talking about 1997's violent new breed. What do we start with yeah. here, Mel? What do we start with? Well, it opens with some weird kind of voiceover thing going on. I didn't really take too much notes as to what he was saying because I didn't give a, I, I didn't give a shit. I just thought it was there for effect. Little did I realize upon watching it a second time that it was actually kind of important, but I still didn't take notes on well, it. Well, I'm just going to do you uh, one better, Mo, because even before all that, there's a warning that opens the movie. Right. There is a warning. What does the warning say, Mo? Do you have it written down? You know for a fact <laughs> that I don't. <laughs> Warning, this film is not for children or for those that get offended easily. It is not politically correct. It is a brutal, violent movie full of things we are told should not be in movies. There is no explicit sex in this film, just horror. Uh, which actually, I mean, I was like, well, yeah, that seems pretty consistent with the work of Todd Sheets. You know, lots of yeah. gore, not much sex. There's a surprisingly large amount of nudity in this movie. There is a surprising amount of nudity, and there is some like legit sexual contact. So, like m- more more so than you'd expect from a Todd Sheets movie. I mean, a guy getting his dick bitten off isn't isn't the kind of sexual content I was expecting. But yes, it, it no, might true, feature in the movie. But but there's also some very graphic titty sucking going on. Graphic so titty I mean, sucking. Yeah. For Violet New Breed. That's, that's that, that's 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 my next fucking band name right there. Graphic titty sucking. Uh, this is a Trust in Us production once again, Mo. It is a Todd Sheets film, and it takes place. <laughs> it sure does in New York City. Uh huh. Take me home, country road. <laughs> <laughs> New York, Kansas City. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, w- the, the reason that Mo and I are making some uh, some fun uh, is that there is a lot of stock footage of New York used in this movie to make it look like it takes place in New York. They did not shoot this movie in New York. I mean, in the at, in the closing credits, it says they shot it partially. Perhaps there are sequences that were actually filmed in New York, but like everyone has their Kansas City Southern accents on in this one. Yeah, which is fine. Hey, I like it. The idea is that in the near future, Mo. There's some sort of post-apocalyptic situation going on where what are they called? Breeders are are like a breeders. basically a gang of kind of vampire slash zombieish uh, creatures that are roaming the streets. Uh, it it's not established that well because it seems like so, a lot of people are not aware that this is happening, even though it apparently is happening everywhere. Right. But we'll get into all that. So the movie starts. Mo, what happens? So two two men pull up to a uh, warehouse type building, absolutely, um, in a hearse, which I thoroughly appreciated. How does the Munsters theme go? Does this go? Yes. Anyway, please continue. And out pops our favorite. Favorite, favorite, Todd Sheets alumni, Jerry Angel. You know, now that Jerry Angel has come back to the fold for the Todd Sheets work, like the work that's currently being made, I feel so much more comfortable saying that Jerry Angel should be in all Todd Sheets movies. 
He should be. He absolutely should be. He is he's one of the best performers who Todd has used regularly in the past and now thank goodness uh in his current work. <laughs> he like that motherfucker chews up every inch of scenery that he is in and just makes every scene that he's involved in that much more fun. Well, he gets a lot of really interesting dialogue in this movie. He's playing a very hyper character, but thankfully yeah. he's not making up his lines or just quoting directly from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> <laughs> so he can actually say things that are mostly comprehensible. But what is, uh, what's Jerry Angel's character's name in this, Mo? Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> I have a feeling his name is supposed to be Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, but he pronounces it Gabrielle yeah. the whole time. Right. Um, I mean, uh, fine. Yeah. Each his own, I guess. I don't judge, you know, I don't shame. Um, but yeah, he's, he's Gabrielle. Yeah. He's Gabrielle. And so he, this, this hearse, uh, pulls up in front of this building. Uh, Gabrielle, Jerry Angel goes inside and what happens there? Well, what do they find inside this building? Um, so yeah, they go and they, they first, the first thing they do is they unleash some sort of madman from the back and uh there's another guy there too i I can't remember who it is uh and uh yeah they sort of invade this building uh he finds a girl Mm -hmm. and attacks her and she manages to get away uh he he gives chase and the other two low end up loading up the car with all the other people who they've caught exactly so you have Gabrielle going after this woman and he says this. Now you can get a little taste of a little Jerry Angel uh, dialogue. We'll have a lot more of it later. Hey little girl. <laughs> Where you at? <laughs> you don't play games with Gabrielle. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we talk about Jerry Angel's mustache oh, please. in this movie for a second? Like if this guy didn't look more like Yosemite Sam, my God, it's, but it's amazing. He, it's, it's honestly one of the best fucking mustaches I've ever seen. He has a full on Derek Smalls mustache. In this it's, movie. um, it's fucking amazing. Just full walrus, you know, God, I wish they could have given him like six more months to grow it. So it could have gone down <laughs> past his chin. Oh, it's amazing. So just amazing. <laughs> So uh, this uh, this woman is trying to hide from him, and so mm-hmm. he, he's very clever. He actually climbs to the floor above her where she's hiding, and he looks down. There's like a hole, and he can see her standing underneath the hole. Right. And then he slips a noose <laughs> that he, I guess he was just carrying with him da- sure. down through the hole around her neck, Mo. And then what happens? <laughs> you could probably guess. Oh, uh, well, let's see. So, yeah, so he, he drops the, the noose down and, um, and, and it, and it misses her neck because she sees it like a full 16 seconds before it actually gets around his, no, no. I'm kidding. That's what would have actually happened. <laughs> uh, no, he gets it around her neck and strangles the bitch. And for some reason, uh, you shouldn't call her that. We don't know anything about I shouldn't. It. I, yeah, well, she's kind of a bitch, but. Fair enough. She's trying to get away from Jerry Angel. Um, so. For some reason, as she's choking, we hear the sound of chainsaws on the soundtrack mode, but I think that's part of the opening theme song, and I am just going to say, 
It's been a while on No Budget Nightmares since we had a really rockin' intro song to one of our movies. Wait, you mean, it's been a while? It's been a while! And actually, it, I'm glad that you brought up uh, new Metal. <laughs> because the soundtrack to this movie, which, by the way, is very diverse and very large, apparently includes uh, Puddle of Mud on the soundtrack, Mo. Isn't that exciting? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of rock and bands. But in 1997, there was this thing called rap rock where they used to combine rock music with rap music uh yeah before it became new metal it exactly was just rap rock and yeah. so it was just it was entering that scene so there is a lot of that sort of thing on the soundtrack which would might maybe prepares you for this opening thing now listen pretty carefully i'm a lumberjack baby <laughs> listen to the lyrics I don't care if it's past your I guess it's sort of like Fate No More-ish, uh, and maybe no. uh, <laughs> some of the more rockin' uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers type songs. But I guess <laughs> I don't give a fucking shit, Mo. That's a great opening line. Yeah, though. no that kidding. Really is. <laughs> I mean, it, it this movie does have have kind of a nihilistic sure. attitude. But when I described it at the beginning of this episode, Mo, and I said that it's faith based, you might at this point you probably don't recognize that. But there's a lot of churchy stuff that's going to happen before the end of this movie. Sure is. It's a very churchy movie, including a scene in a church, Mo. So that you can't get much more churchy than that. Mm. Anything notable about this opening credits, Mo? Um, that they're cut along with uh, like sonograms. Yes, like a sonogram on the screen. Um, yeah. Apparently, a sonogram belonging to somebody named Bobby Wagoner. <laughs> You can see the name on the sonogram. <laughs> the credit. The credits also say that uh, it, this movie features Kyla Pratt as the Antichrist. Yeah. So there's an Antichrist in this movie, featuring the music of Moral Rain, Dark Side, Soulfish, Tickle Stick, Head, Rocket Fuel is the Key, Primal Order, Unknown Faith, Asbestos, Liquid Aggression, Anokian Key. Aw, Canvas, Crutch, and the legendary Puddle of Mudmo. Yes, legendary. There are actually a couple of uh, bands on this soundtrack who would either either had already had some moderate success or would go on to have some moderate success. So, yeah, yeah Anoki I mean, and Key. Yeah, Anoki and Key. <laughs> I mean, my easily my favorite of the of the bands involved. Is but it? there's definitely a cup there's a couple of bands on there that that I definitely recognize the name for. So that ends the opening credits, Mo. Now we got to get into the movie proper. How do we start? How does this thing kick off? Okay. So <laughs> the hearse that we saw before now pulls up and uh one of the minions uh <laughs> not literally one of the minions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not not like the you know, not like the fucking you know, uh, despicable me fucking bullshit. That would but, be great, but no, yeah. it's not that. Yeah, no, one of one of the 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 demonic minions, as we'll call them, um, questions where somebody is a person by the name of Bathamy, 
And he gets a stern talking to. Yes. And by stern talking I, to, what do you mean? <laughs> no, he, I, I, what does he do to him? Like, I, I, know, I, like, I just remember he yells at him yeah. and then like the scene kind of ends. That's yeah, pretty much. And what they have, you might recall in the previous scene that the hearse has a bunch of people in the back. Uh, and they drag one of the guys that are in the back of the hearse inside. They put him up against the wall, Mo, and I started having some uh, Beelzebub flashbacks for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I can't remember. One of the guys says, go get my tools. I have the need to make him bleed. But you can't hear what the rest of they're saying because it's all drowned out by the music, which is something that does happen in this movie every once in a while. Right. <laughs> but it's very early into things. I know, I know. I've just had a had a very long day. Let's kick it into high gear. They uh, so we have who is going to be one of the lead characters uh, helping crucify this guy. They legitimately pound nails into the guy's hands. Uh, we don't really get to see much of it, but we do get this tremendous line. And now it's time for a little crucify. <laughs> 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 now it's time uh, for a little crucify, Mo. Yeah. That had to have been a better way of saying that. <laughs> and I believe they tear the dude's tongue out as well. Uh they do indeed actually the they uh they tear his tooth out, Mo, which I actually thought Ooh. while watching this, I was like, Mo must have been like he'd be like, That's not torture, that's exactly what I want to happen. Yeah, I was going to say, just this one right here, guys. Go ahead, grab that one right there. <laughs> this, this dude who's just been crucified, A, he seems like he's a lot more upset about the crucifixion than the tooth being ripped out. And his response is to go like, ow. <laughs> 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 so Gabrielle bursts in, and he seems really upset about having missed everything. Uh, but it is hard to hear the dialogue here. But he does say something like, all hell's about to break loose, Mo." <laughs> so that's exciting hell's gonna break loose oh yeah so then we see a car arrive at a location that's going to become very important for a portion of the movie and then not become important afterwards for some reason uh so this is at a i guess it's you would call it a bar slash strip club yeah it's like a um like a members club yeah a but, members but, but only they, club i had the jacket mem- um, yeah of course you did <laughs> um yeah, where I guess they have an upstairs area that where the members are allowed, and then there's a downstairs area where they sort of pay to ad- pay for admission, that sort of shit. I love this scene, Mo, because we're introduced to my favorite character in the movie. We already talked about Jerry Angel. Hey, he's my long-term fave, but my short-term fave is Kilroy the Bouncer, Mo. And Kilroy is here to make sure no funny business goes on in this bar. <laughs> and he's introduced to this guy. He just got out of his car. He came inside. His name is Jack. Williamson, Mo. What's Jack all about? <sighs> Fuck. What? <laughs> What's Jack all about, Mo? Uh, Jack is, uh, well, he's introduced as a replacement bartender. Yeah. Um, basically, like when he when he meets Kilroy, he says to like Kilroy says to him, you know, like, uh. What, what does he say? He's just like, you're either a member or you're just passing through. Yeah, he goes, are you passing through a member or an yeah. undercover pig? Right. And he, oh, he, Kilroy. And he goes way out of his way to explain what all three mean. And it's just like, he bruh. Said, he says, if you're an undercover pig, I'm going to fry your ass like bacon. Yeah. That's what you do to pigs. You uh, make bacon. 
Yeah, well, I mean, at least uh, uh, from their stomachs. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, so he, but he tells him that he's the new bartender. New bartender. You know, and he lets, he lets him go upstairs, <laughs> which makes it wonder, like, how hard it would be to infiltrate this club, because it's like, uh, hey, I'm the new bartender, let me up. You know, okay. There's some funny yeah. stuff going on in this club, as we'll find out in a little bit. But the funniest stuff is what we see right away. Ladies with their uh, uh, their uh, breasts hanging out. Uh, their boobies. Their boobs are there, Mo, on display for all to see. I was frankly mm-hmm. shocked. Not because I haven't experienced nudity before, but because I don't think I've experienced it in a Todd Sheets movie outside of some of his later work that I've seen. Oh, see, I thought it was just because of your, you know, your... Uh, long-held uh-huh. uh, Christian values. Well, yes. Well, that's one of the reasons I watched this is because I was hoping it was going to reaffirm my faith, which it did. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, look, this is the great thing about movies. Uh, listeners, I'm sure you would agree. When you see things that you should not be seeing, like bare breasts, you can just turn away, and it's like you're editing. It's like, I'm editing. I'm looking at the wall. I'm not seeing what's happening. So I didn't really see what was going on here, Mo, but my understanding was that there was just tits all over the place. There was. <laughs> so Jack comes in. He still seems a little confused about what his gig is, but he does mention that, uh, that when he approaches the bar, there's a woman there. She's smoking a cigar. She's awesome. She's the best. Uh, and she gives him some paperwork to fill out. And then he starts kind of telling his life story. What's Jack all about, Mo? Uh, but he starts talking about how, like, uh, you know, he's divorced and how, like, his his ex wants to get custody of the kid or something to that effect. Yes, or, it, it, he doesn't like know. his ex-wife. He has a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cancer chemo kicking his ass. All, all cancer chemo is kicking his ass. <laughs> yeah. And, but she has this great response where she's just like, shut the fuck up. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. You're here to work. You're not here to talk. She calls. She says she doesn't care if he's straight or a flaming. He, she says a very bad word there. Yes. Yes. So I'm glad you're not going to say it. But he's like, I'm just trying to make small talk. And she's like, there is no small talk. And don't talk to the customers either. <laughs> she's like, I'm your boss. I'm your time clock. I'm your timekeeper. Yada, yada, yada. And she also mentions that she works for the big boss, Mr. Asmodeus Mo. Yes. Except it's Asmodeus, I believe. Yeah. Well, and then, but then the best thing happens where she, okay, so she tells him to fill out this paperwork because it's super important that he fills out this paperwork. Sure. Super important. Mm-hmm. Then almost immediately says, fill that paperwork out later. I'm going to show you where the supplies are. <laughs> hey, this movie's got to get moving and I can't really, <laughs> really blame her. She also mentions that Thursdays are the live shown days, um, which I guess we'll discover what that's all about in a little bit. So there's a strange edit here where Jack goes downstairs and it's supposed to be the end of his shift, but it doesn't seem like any time has really passed by. Right. And I also love the fact that magically now him and the doorman are like best buds. Hey, maybe he was up and down all day. Who knows? But him and Kilroy, they're they're, they're starting to bond, which is what makes Kilroy such a great burly dude. Right. So Kilroy, he says, I'm going home to my woman. But Jack says, I'm going home to my VCR, as always. Nerd. What a nerdo. What a nerd. What a nerdlinger, this Jack. I don't know about this Jack. <laughs> anyway, Jack goes home. 
And he arrives at his apartment, and his first response is, ah, shit. He's not actually reacting to anything in particular at that point. He's just, I guess, really upset with being alive. Right. (laughs) He'll try to take care of that in just a little bit, by the way. (laughs) And the best part is he he gets home, and there's this super ominous music playing. Yes. For for no reason. Like, it does not need to be there, but I love the fact that it is there. It's, like, crazy ominous. Everything's creepy. But he's not doing anything. He's drinking really juice. Happening. He's just yeah. drinking some juice. And there's right. a scary music playing. <laughs> he turns on a TV, Mo, and on it is some sort of pornography because we get a shot of a woman making a guy lick her heels. Of course. And he does not say, boy... These horrible B movies, I can't stand them. I'd hate to be living or being in one of those things. <laughs> there is no fourth wall breaking about being in a Tatch Eats movie in this movie, Mo. It really I I feel like there's a clear visible maturity ongoing in this movie in the work of Tatch Eats. I hate it. I I want things to stay the same. Everything I like when it evolves, it sucks. Right? Evolution is bad. Yeah. So later, <laughs> Jack is just looking. He's in this hallway, and there are doors all around him. It's like a Scooby-Doo, right? Where the doors on the hallway where people are like running back and forth. You know what I'm talking about? I, I sure do. It's a bright purple room. It's very stylized, and there's doors everywhere. And it's very hazy, Mo. And I suspected that this was a dream. I didn't. Well. I just thought he lived in some weird storage warehouse. <laughs> so he's wa- this is Jack. He's walking around. He goes on for a while. Him just looking around, uh, and then a door opens. Mo and who comes out of it? Uh, there's like a strange woman dancing, right? Yes, a beautiful strange woman, and she is playing with her breasts. Mo, I I assume again. I looked away as soon as she came out. But yeah, I uh, I this is this is actually the the moment where I knew that this wasn't a dream. Why? Because this is the sort of shit that happens to me all the time. Oh, right. Of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. this is everyday stuff. Why would you put Every it in a dream day. sequence? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and what's about to happen is also something you encounter on a semi-regular basis. Uh, so this Don't woman, remind me. This woman, she starts grinding up against Jack, which, of course, is the international sign of, I want a bone. <laughs> 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 she falls to her knees, Mo. And again, I'm Canadian, so I don't know much about these sort of things. But it seems like she wants to um, <laughs> slobber all over his knob. <laughs> so he's he's got he's he was like concerned up to this point. He's got a tire iron in his hand, but she reaches around him and she squeezes his bum. And when she squeezes it, he drops the tire iron because he's like, there's no need for violence. I'm about to get my wang doodled. Wow. That's what he says, Mo. (laughs) So she's going to suck this guy's dick. (laughs) There you you go. (laughs) And she starts to do it, Mo. And then things get, (laughs) things either get unfortunate or very erotic, depending on your perspective. And it sounds a little bit like this. So I left a little extra in there, Mo. If you couldn't tell what was happening, why don't you explain it to me? Uh, Yeah, so after she... um, 
uh, chomps on his wang. Yeah. Um, I know I'm not as good with words as you are. Uh, I think but, he, uh, I think you just gave away the whole thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she then kind of pulls back and blood splatters all over her, um, which I found very erotic. So yeah. she bites his dick off and he yeah. basically, um, like blood goes everywhere. And it kind of is like, it's almost like he's ejaculating except it's blood. It's a, yeah, he's giving her a blood facial. A blood... F- Excellent. Excellent. Mm. So he yells, help me! <laughs> <laughs> he yells, help me, as one would does. Um, in as, a, yeah, as you do. And then he wakes up suddenly, Mo. It was a dream. Your least favorite thing. Really shades of Nightmare Asylum. <laughs> I Oh my god, I hate it was all a dream so much. But this is a double dream, as we'll get oh. into so he wakes up. There's a cartoon on the TV. He notices that there's a message for him on his answering machine. He plays it. Who is it, Mo? On the answering it's his, machine. It's his ex, and she's telling him how he's a fucking worthless alcoholic and how she's suing him for custody of the child and how she's going to win because he's a fucking cocksucker. Yeah. I don't think she, I don't think, I don't know if she says those words exactly, but that's been the gist of what yeah, she said. That is definitely the gist. It's actually very hard yeah. to understand exactly what she's saying, but you get the gist that she's basically saying she's going to take his daughter away from him. And he does. Yeah. What a, what anybody would do, which is take a deep breath, breathe, and then he goes, "You bitch!" and he just yells at the machine, the answering machine. Right. He has a bit of a temper, which does not reflect well on him in this custody proceedings. Right. I mean, he's definitely going to lose custody of the child. So he's bummed. I think it's safe to say he's pretty bummed out by this news. So he's so bummed, and I don't want to make light of this, Mo. No. But he goes, I thought what he was going to do is take a relaxing bath, as one does in stressful situations. I've done it myself, Mo. It actually can be very relaxing. Uh, he runs a bath. And <laughs> the funny thing about this isn't what's about to happen. That's not funny. But he does put bubble bath <laughs> in his bath. Like, there's bubbles, you right? I'm not making yeah. that up. No, no, there's bubbles. So he relaxes in the bath for a bit in his bubble bath. And then next to him, what kind of paraphernalia does he have near his bath mo? Oh, I didn't I didn't even know. Well, so there's a razor blade there, which is like, whoa, dude, what? But there's also a knife. And right. this go around, he decides to pick up the knife. Because Mo, his intention in this bubble bath is to do himself in. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to kill himself, which is a touchy subject for No Budget Nightmares. Not something we like to get into. Um, <laughs> though, <laughs> when he does attempt to slice his wrist with this knife, he... Uh, look, I don't like to say the word chickens out. That's not how I really feel about it. But he is unable to do it, which leads him to exclaim... I can't even do this right Jack's in a bad place. Also, the first day of work, and he comes home and kills himself? Come on, dude. Everyone's relying on you. <laughs> right, exactly. So, eventually, um, he gets up uh, the nerve, I guess you would say, and he does cut himself, and blood squirts everywhere. Though, the room is very purple, so the blood looks a little funny, but he does. He drops the knife, we see blood on the wall, and this guy playing Jack, by the way, he... 
you know, awards for him. He he is going nuts in this bath. He's dying full on. You know, he, this is this is his Oscar clip for sure. There is a great moment though where he lifts his arm up, the one that he just cut, <laughs> and like there's just there's there's no blood on his wrist whatsoever. There's no cut. There's no nothing. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? Uh, this is okay. So we hear a heartbeat on the soundtrack. <clears throat> oh, is it Don Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks up, and he sees a heavenly vision. Mo, what does he see? Is it is it Rick Springfield? It is Rick Springfield, actually. No, Mo, it's not a Rick Springfield. It's a different beautiful angel who, who appears before him with her breasts almost hanging out. And she says... She'll, she'll fix that soon. <laughs> I've written down what she says to him. She says, you've done a terrible thing, Jack. You've forced destiny. This is something you should never do. And then she takes her breasts out. And then he sucks on her nipple, Mo. Right. He really goes for it. He's sucking on that nipple. Yeah. He sucks it, Mo. He sucks that nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say he's chewing on the scenery, but he's chewing on something else. So then he wakes up. Jack wakes up again, Mo, to the sound of thunder. Uh, and he looks very confused. And on TV, there's a gory m- movie playing. And this would have been a great opportunity to say, boy, I'm glad that was just a dream and not one of these lousy B-movies. I, um... <laughs> Like, honestly, any, you know, I think the longtime listeners know me well enough that. Oh, yes, that, they do. <laughs> that, a, uh, that a dream sequence, uh, you know, it was all a dream sequence, always results in an automatic zero from me. In our, in our um, classic zero to ten, no budget nightmare scale. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Um, Which we've established since early in the run. <laughs> But but God damn it, this is a Todd Sheets movie, so I can't do that. I, I'll, I'll I'd never be able to give Todd a zero on anything, so I have to suck it up and deal with the fact that he put a goddamn dream sequence. In the I'm movie. gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna be this the Siskel to your Ebert uh, and say that I actually think this works because the first dream sequence leads you to believe that the second one is not a dream sequence. I mean, it is a fake out. And because of that, you really probably believe that he is depressed enough to kill himself. The weird right. thing about what happens here is that apparently the, the the machine, the answering machine, that actually happened, even though it was part of his dream. Uh. He refers to it to somebody a little bit later that this actually happened. But, uh, you know, sometimes, Mo, I've had dreams where real life things start to happen. Start, start sucking on some angel's titty. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 Jack checks his watch and he's like, "Oh shit, if I'm late, they're going to kill me." And you know, he really should not be late for his second day of work. Yeah. This is the first time I noticed Mo that this is a movie that takes place in New York City, but everyone has a very strong southern accent. Right. And we also get not for the first time Shots of the city of New York, Mo. We get to see the Twin Towers, the Statue of Liberty, taxi cabs, the things you can only find in New York. Yeah, there's, I mean, I've never seen a taxi cab anywhere other than New York, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jack goes inside a building, Mo, and it's labeled the Central Police Building, the famous Central Police Building of New York City. Uh, and he goes inside, and we get a nice shot of Lady Justice, Mo. Justice is blind, Lady Justice 
And then he walks into a, uh, a, a room which has some desks in it. Obviously, policeman desks. Where else could they be but in the police office? Uh, and there's a guy sitting there with a gumball machine on his desk. Who is this guy? Who is that, Steve? That's Steve, Mo. A secondary character. Hey, I wouldn't pay too much attention to him. It's not like he's going to suddenly irrationally become the main character at some point. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that at all. Yeah. He has a full gumball machine on his desk. Well, I mean, you know, look. He's trying to quit smoking. Why not just have a bowl full of gumballs? Because where's the fun in that? You got to twist the you twist the crank. He's trying. He pops tr- out. Look, we saw someone get their crank twisted just a little while ago. <laughs> but <laughs> but maybe he's just trying to build quarters out of the people he works with. Anyway, <laughs> this guy Steve is a cop and that's what's interesting about this. We we discover in this sequence, Jack, that guy that we just see saw really fail at killing himself, he's also a cop, Mo. He's Sizzling. That's right. <laughs> so that's the, that's the big twist here. So Jack is a cop. <laughs> did, you, did you just say he's Sizzling? I certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> that that was that, that was my one Super Troopers reference for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a requirement now. <laughs> so he mentions to Steve that he had a message on his uh, answering machine from his ex-wife, despite that being established to be a dream in the previous sequence. Uh, and his partner's idea about women is that you should just not deal with them, right? Stay away from them is what uh, Steve has to say, even though later in the movie he refers to having his own ex-wife. Here's the thing about being a police officer. It'll eat you up. Mo, it'll eat you yeah, up. You yeah. It'll eat you alive and That's spit right. you out. Right? Because you a crumpled mess on the floor. Women want you at home, right? Right? right. Well, that's where, that's where men belong, at home, barefoot in the kitchen. Making but the, the call of the streets for the boys in blue is just too strong. All right. So let's see. So Jack, uh, Steve has a gumball. So Jack is a cop. <laughs> he is a police officer. This is And what we've discovered in the scene is that he's investigating people at the bar. He got a job there in order to find out what's going on there. Brilliant. So Jack lets Steve know, he says the bar is all screwed up, that the people in there are weird, freaking weird. Um, And they're supposed to have some kind of show there. His partner says if he gets in any trouble, just get out of there and pack plenty of heat. The weird thing about these two police officers is that they do not seem to have the ability to call for backup or really anybody at all to help them in any situation. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So Jack leaves the police station. It, the other strange thing about this is, so Jack looked at his watch and was like, oh, shit, I got to get out of here. I'm going to be late for work. And then he went to a police station to hang out with Steve <laughs> for five minutes and then just leave. Well, Steve's not that interesting. So, well, you know. it's a good thing we don't have to spend a lot of time with him later in the movie. So yeah. Jack leaves. You know he's a police officer because he waves to someone in the parking lot. <laughs> We see more shots of the Big Apple, and then we see a young girl eating cereal while her mother yells at her lawyer about papers getting delivered. The daughter gets overwhelmed with all the shouting, and she leaves. Mo, who are these characters? Uh, so this is Jack's ex, uh-huh. who I think at some point we hear what her name is, but I didn't fucking write it down. And uh, and his daughter, Amy, I believe. That's right. Amy is his daughter. She even says to her mom... Um, I want to go to dad's house. 
The mother and the daughter, they get into a bit of a fight, and it sounds a little bit something like this. You no such thing! You've been acting like a little brat lately. What's your problem? You've been acting like a bitch? Oh! oh. You don't talk to me that way. I am your mother. Do you understand that? So... <laughs> So, obviously, they have a contentious relationship. Yes, indeed, her mother slapped her in the face. And the mother talks shit about Jack. But Jack is a good guy. You know that because his daughter's like, he has an important job. He has to work day and night. As if she's some sort of, like, MRA mouthpiece. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the mother grounds the kid. Uh, Amy gets grounded. And I think Amy says, you've got to sleep sometime, bitch. Which is quite a harsh thing to say. Right. Uh, then we go back to the bar, Mo. And there's a song playing on the soundtrack here that is very unusual. Did you note anything about this song? Nope. It sounds a lot like that song Three Little Pigs by Green Jello. Uh, um, except it's not. It's like someone doing a. Like, like someone who was strongly influenced by that song doing a song that's very similar. Well, I mean, it's the right time frame. Yeah, but it's not yeah. that song for sure. No, yeah. Um, bum, bum. Hey, woo face. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so there's a woman in there hitting on Jack hard. And she says, I'll pleasure you like no woman ever has or ever can. And then that gruff owner, um, the one who was smoking the cigar, she says, well, you know what? Let's not uh, let's not read what she says. Let's actually listen to it. Listen, honey. My bartenders are not allowed to stick it in chicks like you. I'd like for him to be to work on time. And if he did it with you, he'd be in the hospital or he'd be dead. How dare you, bitch? Do you know who I am? A whore. Next question. (laughs) So that's pretty rough. That's some rough dialogue happening there. Um, So Jack feigns that he's like, I didn't do it. She came on to me. And she goes, if I thought it was you, you'd already be out the damn door. Now bring up some beer for the bar. So he goes to do that, Mo. And while he's doing that, the show starts. The show that he referred to earlier. This, right. this if They announce on the stage this is a night of artistic expression. And and what does this involve? What's, this, what's the, the show all about? So it's a bit of magic. Yes. As he calls it. But really it's just them cutting this dude's arm open and then carving their name on his bone. Now, who is this? Who's doing this? Who's who's involved in this? Uh, so this is uh, Jim Ozymandias. <laughs> uh, I can't pronounce his actual name. So I think we'll it's just, just Asmodeus. I think that's how you would go, right? Yeah, Asmodeus. Uh, sure. Asmodeus. You're going to have to say it, Mo. He's, he's going to be an important character. <laughs> uh, I'll just call him Jim. All right. that's his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jim the Vampire, as I have in my notes here, uh, has tied a man up and he's explaining that he's going to Cut him to the bone where he's going to sign it. Meanwhile, Gabrielle is just shouting, die! (laughs) As Jim starts cutting into him and he sort of explains to him, he goes, sometimes the anesthetic wears off before I'm done. I mean, this is the most Todd Sheetsian moment up to this point in the movie. Yeah. Because you see them like peel back his skin and go into the bone and, you know, their car is like, Let's face it, there's a lot of close-ups of hamburger meat and organ meat and all that sort of shit that you expect mm. to see in a Todd Sheets movie. And right. the crowd is loving it. Yeah, they go they go all crazy. And uh, and the best part is, I believe, uh, so Jack comes back upstairs with the beer. <laughs> yes. And then immediately pulls a gun. Yes. 
Well, just, his mean, friend, Steve did tell him to pack heat. <laughs> yeah, he told him to pack heat, but he also told him to get the fuck out of there. Nope. He pulls a gun and then immediately goes into the middle of the crowd, <laughs> you know, where Jim sort of explains to him, you know, you're not going to get away. You know, you might be able to get me, but you're not going to get them at a brouhaha sort of, um, sort of ensues and he shoots a couple of the demon things. But the best part is, is that Jim goes on and on about how he's not going to get away. And then he immediately gets away. Like he is surrounded on all sides, every door blocked. And somehow they just cut to the, him running down the stairs with them behind him. Like you said, he shoots a bunch of people, but they don't, it doesn't really have any effect. He even uh, shoots uh, Asmodeus in the stomach and he just kind of laughs at him. Um, Yeah. Jack is a terrible cop, <laughs> but he runs downstairs and he almost runs into Kilroy, Mo, my favorite character. Now, Kilroy, it should be established that Kilroy is pretty new on the whole bouncing thing. He is not aware of what's going on in the bar, though. I don't know how they could have kept it hidden very long. Um, All right, and you should you should also explain that Kilroy was here. Yes, Kil- Kilroy. Yes. <laughs> Kilroy is a beefy gentleman, Mo. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. And as Jack comes bounding down the stairs, well, it sounds a little something like this. Please listen to what Kilroy says here. What the hell's going on up there? Look, man, if you're one of them, I'll kill you. If not, then get the fuck out of my way. What the hell are you talking about? One of who? Them! Sheep shit on my back porch! (laughs) (laughs) Sheep shit on my back porch! So... I post- that's, that's that's actually a very common New York phrase. I I posted that clip of of that whole sequence on Twitter, and I had multiple people ask me if "sheep shit on my back porch" was an expression that was actually used by people, whether in New York or elsewhere. I did a search for it on Google Mo in quotation marks. I could find no reference to that as a phrase that anyone has ever said in the history of the world. Well, you know, <laughs> K- Kilroy says it. Look, we were wrong about the skunk ape, okay? People talk about the skunk ape all the time. Yeah. I was actually just watching a show the other day, and they were talking about the skunk ape, and I'm like, and like, of course, in my head, I'm immediately like, skunk ape, won't you take skunk It's crazy, because we did that episode, it's like, I've never heard of a skunk ape, and now it seems like I run into someone talking about skunk ape Everywhere, everywhere. But anyway, Kilroy... Takes off. <laughs> Him and Jack, Shit they run. sheep on my back porch. <laughs> they both run off. Uh, Kilroy mentions as they run off that he's only been there for a month and he's quitting now. <laughs> all the doors open outside. All these, uh, they're not zombies. They're just, uh, what are they called? Breeders. Um, Breeders. They all come out. And <laughs> as, they're, as they go outside, Kilroy is inexplicably now wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I guess he paused to put them on. <laughs> <laughs> for dramatic effect. They pile into a car, and when it comes to Kilroy, it's really piling into a car. And they yeah. t- they drive off, um, and those were some ineffective breeders. They were very bad at their job, though maybe this was the plan all along, which in fact it was, which mm. we'll discover very soon. <laughs> As they drive off, Mo, a punk breeder jumps on their windshield, and there's a, a legitimate stunt here, Mo. The, this, this, uh, this guy holds on to their car. Uh, and he eventually falls off of it into the grass as they drive off. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It, it, there's, this is, we really can't stress enough how much more professional a lot of this movie is. Look, 
not all the actors are professional, certainly. Uh, there's a lot of bad acting here, generally. But this is a much more slick version of a Todd Sheets movie. Yeah. Yeah, Mo! Then we see stock footage of New York City. <laughs> it establishes that time has passed. Oh, well, good. So we are in a house. We see a wire on this on the uh, on the floor. The camera, this is a very nice trick. It follows the wire. And we see it goes into a closet. It's Amy. She's on the phone. And she's telling um, she's telling somebody that she's going to go to her dad's house, I believe. Yeah. And she says that her mom snuck in a blonde guy. I wonder who that is, Mo. Ooh. Yeah. So she hangs up and she runs off. So Amy's going to go to her father's house. She's running off to New York City. Back at uh, Jack's place, he's talking to Kilroy, who is now just wearing regular glasses, I believe. <laughs> guy's just switching uh, eyewear uh, left and right over here I love the fact that Jack turns into Joe Exposition here And just sort of explains everything we need to know Well, it, it actually is kind of important Because up to this point, we really don't know what the fuck is going on uh, There's well, not even so, really... some, Sometimes Joe Exposition is a very important role to play So I'm glad Jack gets to do it here Well, it's kind of strange, right? Because we know there are supernatural shenanigans going on But it hasn't really been confirmed that this is supposed to be sort of like a Near future, like these creatures are basically have taken over the street to some extent, and right. that and that and that lots of people are aware of them. So th- it's nice for them to establish that here. Uh, his his apartment once again is very purple. Uh, he was literally dreaming purple neon earlier. What do you think about that? Ah. <laughs> so as you said, a lot of established, uh, a lot of uh, exposition here. We learn that the breeders are part human and part demon. They can be anything or anyone and live in the old subway system, Mo. Here's the thing. If they can be anything or anyone, why do they live in the subways? Uh, I, they're working their way up. So oh. they're, not only are they... Yes, honey? I have a question. <clears throat> if they can be anything or anyone, why are they living in the subway? That's what Mo just I said. Just, I literally <laughs> just said that. <laughs> they're working their way up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it has its moments. Uh, so it has its moments. Kilroy says, "Like, why can't you just like burn them or something?" And he's like, "They can't fry them because there's too many of them." Which that does not make any sense. And all they're not just monsters and demons; they're also drug dealers. The worst of all, they sell a drug called Rapture, which is the strongest drug ever, and the user constantly hallucinates. Mo, the other side effect: it weakens your willpower. Ooh. Drugs, demons with drugs, Mo. It's 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 Ronald Reagan's worst nightmare. Just say no. They should have just said no. Anyway, so the idea is that demons they're having these half breed children because the demons are having sex with women because they get them hooked on this drug and have their way with them. And then the half breeds are also mating with women. He says that you're right. There's a lot of exposition in this scene. Yeah, there's a lot of exposition. He they want to take over the world and make us their slaves. Uh, and so Washington put a group together uh, to to track him down. And Jack is one of those people who are working on it. Him and Steve are demon hunters hired by the FBI who have been covering up instances of the breeders murdering. I feel like you could put more people on the case if this is such a big deal. But, right. but what do I know? Anyway, Jack goes into the bathroom because he's got scratches all over his body from the attacks, the really weak attacks by these creatures. He goes in and he takes his shirt off, Mo. A uh, little, little male beefcake on display here. 
So he he starts t- t- touching his scratches, and he yells out to Kilroy, "Hey, Kilroy, you want another beer?" Um, and then he comes out of the bathroom, but Kilroy Mo, my favorite character, he isn't responding. Well, I guess I should say he is responding, but his response is just convulsing and blinking. Right. And then blood starts pouring out of his forehead. That's not good. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, so, and all these like worm things start coming out of his so this is a very confusing thing that's happening here (laughs) so as you mentioned mo his his head breaks open we get a shot from the back his head just just opens up and worms but not like not like wriggly worms like alien worms start pouring out of his head right and jack grabs his gun and he goes are you a breeder uh but he can't really answer because he's fucking dead and (laughs) then then the worms attack Jack, the worms that came out of this guy's head. Yeah, Jack has this great moment where he shoots Kilroy like in the head and then immediately slips on his blood. Yes. Yeah. So suddenly, uh, Asmodeus is there. Uh, they, they, he admits that they've had their eye on him for some time. They know exactly what he's all about. And they, he even mentions that he's been sleeping with his wife because she's his newest sex slave. I guess she's been hooked on that rapture shit. Damn. Yeah, I know. He goes, Fate, what a strange thing. So they let him out of the club alive on purpose, which you think he would have figured out because there's no way he would have got out otherwise. <laughs> um, Asmodeus leaves and he tells Jack to have fun with his friends. And his friends, I guess, are those alien uh, worm things. Right. We cut to New York City. <laughs> the city that never sleeps, Mo. Amy, who has uh, gone off to try to find her dad, she's walking down a filthy alleyway, as one does while in New York City. Uh, She's rubbing her arm because I guess it's a little chilly outside. The the, the New York uh, alleyways on display here uh, remind me of Crime Alley from Gotham City, Mo. (laughs) A rough spot where she runs into some unfortunate characters. So she runs into uh, what I would describe as a pimp, Mo. Yeah. And he says probably the grossest thing you could say, which is, I have some clients that like him young. Yeah, it's like I think he's talking about Gabriel. Uh, maybe. So the as he's like tr- as he's trying to hire Amy, a drug addict comes up to him. He, he they reveal that this guy, the pimp, is named Tony. He's like, You gotta help me, I'm dying. So he slaps this drug uh addict in the face. And he goes, you've been doing what you should have been dealing for a long time. And then the drug addict sees bugs all over his arms. Do you remember any of this, Mo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember all of it. Tony the Pimp points a gun at this guy's head and kills him. Ba-boom. This makes Amy very upset. And she does probably the last thing you should do in this situation. And she says, my dad's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Tony is very offended at the idea that she thinks he's going to, like, kidnap her and force her into sexual slavery. He's like, hey, I don't get my kicks from molesting brats. He was only offering a job. That Tony, he's not such a bad guy after all. Right. Well, the funny thing is, like, he literally... <laughs> he murdered she, someone in front of her. Yeah. He, she just watched him murder somebody, and then he just walks away. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's why cell phones are a good thing. 
right? So Amy keeps on walking. Uh, obviously, she made a great decision in terms of how to get to her dad's place. She walks into a really drunk guy, and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you, but that's a nice bracelet. Is that real gold? Which is code for, I am going to hurt you and steal your bracelet. <laughs> he grabs her. She pulls back and falls down. Uh, not a great move. And then another woman appears, Mo, and she hits this guy with a tire iron. Very popular weapon in this movie. Uh, this woman... Uh, the most distinctive thing about her is that A, she's tough, and B, she's wearing a Pac-Man t-shirt that she wears for most of the movie. I don't know why. Why is she wearing a Pac-Man shirt, Mo? Ah, because nerds are cool in the future. It's a good point. So, she basically shoves this drunk guy away, and she is going to take Amy under her wing. She says, look, honey, you either trust me or stay here. And then she says that that drunk guy, do you know what I'm about to say here, Mo? That he's no. called a Borg. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, or or if not the drunk guy, that there are, are creatures called Borgs here, and they are half machines who work for the breeders. This is never brought up again in any context, and I do think that calling something that is half machine a Borg is probably a trademark that you do not want to start trampling over. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, they, they do actually, it, it's... It's not mentioned, but it is seen later. It is. I guess that's what... moment. I guess in what I have to describe as the strangest thing in this entire movie. We'll get to, <laughs> we will get to that pretty soon. So, yeah. um, so Amy realizes that she has to trust this woman, and they have this little exchange. No problem. Just make sure I get to my dad's. It's urgent that I see him soon. My bitch of a mom is getting crazy. And she's going to take me away from him for good. Divorced? Yeah, just recently. Come on. So these two new good friends, they walk off uh, and and they walk through a quote-unquote New York alleyway to get to now, where they're going. Now, I wouldn't say they're friends as such because she only offers to help her for her gold. <laughs> yeah, but we know that she has a heart of gold, Mo, because she's wearing that Pac-Man t-shirt. Oh, because she's a big Neil Young fan? Well, you know, in Japan, he's called Puckman, but they couldn't call him that here because, you know why? Because they thought they'd make it look like fuck on the side of the arcade machine. All right, Scott Pilgrim. Ah, anyway, remember Jack, the main character of this entire goddamn movie? He's in agony because those bug things are all over him. So he grabs a phone and he calls Steve. This is the equivalent of tagging in in like a pro wrestling match, right. except he's tagging in Steve to be the main character for the rest <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> Now, that's what I call a hot tag. That's right. So he tells Steve, they ripped me the fuck apart. Uh, I'm a goner. Steve says, I'll be right over. Jack says, take care of Amy for him, which means that Jack is not long for this movie or this world. Right. Jack starts to cry, as one does in this situation, and he starts to have flashbacks to his wedding. And there's actually a really nice sequence here where you see, like, his wedding and his life sort of fall apart. Like, at first he's, like, feeding his wife cake, and then we see him and uh, his wife is named Lillian. That was established here, too. Uh, right. That they're arguing, and he says he can't live without her. And uh, and uh, she says that he works too many night hours. And she goes, doesn't it matter that I love you, that I'm dying inside? Not anymore, Jack. And then we see him convulse. Uh, and there's lots of music playing, and then he collapses and he's dead. Well, Rest in peace, he, Jack. I love the way he says that line. He goes, doesn't it matter that I love you? <laughs> <laughs> With that strong New York City accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, famous New Yorkers like Brother Love, you know. 
<laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> so Amy's still walking with her new friend. They're going down the street. They uh, pass by a junkie with a needle literally hanging out of his arm. Uh, but she's very close at this point to her dad's apartment. She goes in, and boy, not a great day for Amy. She finds her dad's corpse on the floor. Um, she cries, tells him to wake up, but that's unlikely, Mo, because he's fucking dead. Yeah. The friend, the, her unnamed uh, large friend with the Pac-Man shirt, she says that she had a son who died of pneumonia right after they were born. So she knows what it's like to lose someone, though it does seem like a very different situation. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, your son died of pneumonia? My dad died from alien bugs. Yeah. It my, fucking my, ate him. My my dad got uh, got killed by uh, demon worms, you know? Yeah, demon worms. Came out of his good friend's head. <laughs> Is that something you can relate to? Steve bursts in. Somehow they don't hear him come in. He comes in and he starts pointing his gun at all of them like a good cop would. Um, and this is where her, the, the woman with the Pac-Man shirt, she introduced herself. She's Tamara Stevens, Mo. And she's like, Jack is dead. And Steve is very confused. But he did say that he promised uh, Amy's dad that he was going to take care of her. And then, Mo, a guy with a knife grabs Amy. And Asmodeus shows up as well. And he tells the guy with the knife to shut up and that he's going to deal with him outside. And then Asmodeus knocks out Steve and he steals Tamara and Amy. He kidnaps them, Mo. And he tells uh, Gabrielle to take care of the junkie. And that leads to some high-quality Jerry Angel acting. I left in a bit of this, Mo. we got to have a little listen to it. Please. It doesn't get much better than this. I will. <laughs> but, uh, what I, uh, shut up, you rubber-headed no-watch hand bastard. <laughs> you have caused us nothing but misery. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll never be a breed if you keep that shit up. I'm sorry. You know something? You'll be left to wallow in the bowels of a rancid planet, <laughs> where they live like pigs, wallowing in their own shit. I might add. <laughs> I might add. <laughs> I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, a New York gentleman. <laughs> Jerry Angel, he's a national treasure, I tell you. So, Steve wakes up. Tells Jack's corpse uh, that he's going to take care of Amy. So he's going to keep his promise. Gabrielle drives off with the rest of them uh, with Amy and Tamara in the back of the hearse. And they go back to the location at the very beginning of the movie. Um, which is just kind of this dilapidated. I think it might actually be an old church, but it's it's just a dilapidated building. Mm-hmm. Inside, Amy's been tied up. Tamara is uh, tied up and left with Ga- uh, Gabriel. And... Um, he goes, he goes, ready for something kinky? My assistant will be here soon, and sh- then she will eat you. So I guess they're also cannibals. Sure. I, is, it, it, is it really cannibalism if they're not human? Oh, it's a good point, Mo. We'll throw that out to the crowd. Uh, if you're a listener of No Budget Nightmares, I <laughs> uh, have an opinion on this. You can, uh, why don't you send us over a message on our Twitter feed, at No Budget Nightmares, all one word. This woman in Mo is called Sheba. She is the potential not cannibal. Um, and she arrives and she says, as you can see, sweetie, I like to get right down to business. No bullshit. So she's basically there to torture, uh, Tamara. Yep. Steve is lumbering around like an idiot. Um, but I guess he's, I don't know how he followed them, but he made it to the location. He's in some sort of furnace room. Um, and he wanders down the stairwell and he gets attacked by demons. The makeup in this scene is a little inconsistent. One of them is just like wearing a scary mask. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the other one has horns coming out of his head. You've got to work with what you've got. <laughs> he, that is 100% correct. So uh, he's he gets knocked down. They start throttling him. But he shoots one while the other keeps uh, choking. And then he stabs that one. So Steve has already shown himself to be significantly more capable than uh, Jack, who is now dead. And, okay, I'm just going to bring it up here, Mo. I expected Jack to come back at some point. Because, I do, too. I mean, it just makes sense. Even as, like, one of the breeders or something, we uh, we don't see Jack again. No. He's dead. Jack is no, fully dead. I'm not going to lie. There was a scene at the end of the movie that I absolutely thought it was going to be Jack coming back. And it was so disappointing when I saw who actually showed up. I'm like, who the fuck is this, like, 12-year-old? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I know what you're talking about. We'll get to that soon. This this is uh, this is Tachit's Janet Leigh moment, right, where he kills off his lead, surprisingly, uh, about halfway through the movie. And we're all shocked, Mo, and we can't believe it, but yet it is true. Yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, Steve. Steve just beat the shit out of some demons. He, uh, he, he punctuates the whole encounter with this. If there's one thing I take away from this movie, Violent New Breed, is that ex-wives are bad. Well, as a uh, as a person with an ex-wife, yeah. Oh, boom! <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it, it's something that's reinforced. I also think that we're supposed to find something kind of innately humorous about people insulting their ex-wives. Well, I mean, ex-wife jokes are hilarious. It is classic. There's no doubt about it. But it is also kind of hacky. Hey, what am I going to say here about hacky jokes? We're on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. <laughs> take my wife, please. No, really, though. Take my wife, please. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> she just gave me a look. Believe me. <laughs> so, the, so, the soon-to-be ex. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so... So Gabrielle is taunting Amy. Uh, Jerry Angel is next level in this sequence. He picks up a syringe and threatens her with it. And then he injects her, Mo. He injects her with the drug Rapture. No. She's so young. He says, I believe, right now I got bigger snatches to conquer. (sighs) (laughs) He goes, we just got a shipment of new bitches and I'm ready to rock. Oh, Steve, Steve has made it to the bar. So maybe where, where he was before wasn't the location. So he made it to the bar. There's a ton of screaming. Um, they're inside. It's basically a bedlam. There's women being held down and being mutilated. There's lots of organ meat. Again, very Todd Sheetsian uh, occurring here in the bar. Steve just stares at it. He doesn't seem to know what to do. Uh, at least two of the people seem to be making out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like in my notes, I describe it as like a gross demon orgy. And like, yeah. th- and there, there's at least, I mean, there are several babies born. Well, one gets like yanked out of a woman. A baby gets pulled out of her. Right. Uh, that baby is definitely not a newborn <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as gross as you might think. It's pretty amusing. It's just a baby being held up. Whoop de do. Yeah. Um, this is no bunch of nightmares. We've seen worse. <laughs> So uh, Sheba is still torturing Tamara. Uh, she takes out a syringe and also injects her. Uh, we see that Tamara, I believe, is standing on a pile of books uh, as some sort of torture. I guess they can, if anyone gets bored, they're pulling one of the books out to read. And slowly she'll be, I don't know what's going on, Mo. 
We do see a very pregnant woman, Moen. Uh, uh, blood is squirting out of her very fake stomach. And we see a, a woman a doctor uh, who's laughing maniacally. And a full-grown child crawls out of the woman's uh, vagina. Right. Yeah. It's like that movie Extro. Extro? Is that how it goes? Extro. Uh, it's like that movie Extro, except uh, this is Todd Sheets. Yeah. So significantly better. Well, it was a full-grown man in that movie. This one yeah. just has like a, you know, like, I don't know how old the kid was, but it, as a kid. It, it doesn't matter. Extra is a piece of shit. Hey, now. It's British. <laughs> I'm talking to you from the colonies, Mo, so believe me, we have an affinity for British horror. Uh, Steve Steve is still wandering around. You would think at this point he might at least consider calling for backup. Uh, We do see some creepy mechanical dolls in the scene. Do you remember that? Yeah, the robot babies. Yeah, there's robot babies. Baby Borgs. (laughs) Uh, Every room that he goes into has very uh, interesting lighting. That scene, by the way, the robot babies, is the creepiest moment in the entire fucking movie. Oh, yeah. By far. You know, like they're moving and fucking like their mouths are opening and shit. It's I would say that this like this particular scene is probably the most effective scene in the entire movie because yeah. it starts with these creepy robot babies. And then Steve runs into one of the breeders. He's probably <laughs> I guess he's like third in command behind Gab- Gabrielle. I, uh, yeah, I would say this guy's not a breeder. This guy is a demon. Yeah, or a Borg, yeah. perhaps. Ooh, a Be- Borg. Because they have a little back and forth. It sounds a little like this. And then we're going to explain what happens. It's very foolish to try to destroy the children of Ashcroft! <laughs> Silence, you pitiful fuck! <laughs> <laughs> this guy is going big. I mean, yeah. he's not... He is not holding back on this performance. He's fucking Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black. So what happens then, Mo? Uh, he transforms into a weird fucking demon thing and starts attacking Steve. Uh, what I love about the fact that the transformation is that the arms on the transformed demon are so much smaller than his human form arms. Uh-huh. So, it's, so it's like horribly ineffective. Until he gets this weird fucking Dalek-looking suction cup motherfucking thing. I called it his weird plant dick, but please continue. Yeah, no, that totally works. You know, yeah, his triffid dick. um, And just puts it right over Steve's fucking face. Yeah, it... The dick comes out, it goes over Steve's face. So Steve pulls out a grenade, which I guess he just had on his person. Yeah, I mean, I carry one on me at all times. He shoves this grenade inside the demon, and he runs off, Mo. And I'm like, yes, this whole sequence is amazing. It's going to end with this demon exploding. But that's not what happens, Mo. The demon spits it out of a plant vagina. Yeah. Yeah, it spits out the grenade. I was disappointed by that. I I don't know why they would have brought a grenade into the mix if it wasn't going to... You know what I'm saying. It's the rule of grenades. If you're going to show a grenade in the first act, you better use it in the third. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Steve does not feel, uh, has not been badly affected by this experience. He's roaming around again. He finds a room with a bunch of body parts and intestines in it. The intestines in this movie look a little wacky. <laughs> um, 
so he sees these like pile of, of limbs and he starts to cough like he's going to vomit. And I'm like, this is too much for you after all the shit you've seen up to this point? Right. You just shoved your f- hand into a fucking demon vagina. Yeah. And I mean, remember when they were having that weird demon orgy back at the bar? I mean, right. just, just yeah. hey, this is the job you signed up for, Steve. Like, you remember the fucking robot babies you just saw? <laughs> So there's this like pile of organs and uh, limbs and a woman crawls out of it. She's covered in blood. She grabs a giant knife and walks up to Steve. And then he's like, I'm not a demon. And he stops her. He says, I'm a cop. And I think I think he says or maybe she says, I'm as human as you. Maybe more. What the fuck does that mean? Well, I mean, he's a big Rob Zombie fan. <laughs> He's he's a big Blade Runner fan, perhaps. Oh, Mayhaps he is. Perhaps. Uh, then we have a a strange dream sequence again. One of your faves. We see we heard like childlike music, like children's music playing, and we see a girl drawing a pentagram on the street in chalk. Tamara approaches her, uh, and she looks. Uh, she turns around and she's got like a weird demon face. And then another kid circles around her on a bike. Mo. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. So she's this kid this circling her. Ridiculous moment. Yeah. The kid's like making fun of her, and then suddenly uh, Tamara is surrounded by children on all sides, and they're yeah, all she, pointing and she's laughing doing that, at her. She's doing that stupid thing where that kids do, where like you say something and they say it back to you, and I'm in a mocking sort of tone. Wait, that's stupid. I thought it was the height of comedy. <laughs> yes. Um. This is it's, so it's really strange. I guess it's supposed to be like playing into some fear of being taunted by children or something along those lines. The kid circles around her. Everyone is pointing laughing. There's a lot of kids in this scene, by the way, a lot. Um, and then the kid stops the kid on the bike, and she says uh, this. Bike is made for riding, and that's just what I'll do here and now. This bike is gonna. So then she rides her bike right into her. Yeah, well, I mean, she does have a giant knife that magically appears on the front of it. That that's true too. I I wonder. I didn't remember in the closing credits if there was any uh, any credit to the estate of Nancy Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a very strange moment. Uh, I don't really know what it was all about. But yeah, so they run into her with the bike. But it was all a dream. She's just she's hallucinating Mo because of all that rapture. Yeah. We see a demonic communion, Mo. There's people, there's demons, they're lined up to take communion. Uh the preacher says, Come, my children, and take communion, let's partake of his flesh and his blood. There's a line of people they go through this very quickly, and we see that he's actually um he's boy, he's pulling pieces off a corpse, right? And offering it to people. Yeah, yeah. It's like a kid's corpse. Mm-hmm. But then the kid sits up while everyone laughs at her again. So you know, lots of demonic imagery, that sort of thing. But Tamara is really just tied up still and standing on those books. So Steve runs into some lesser demons. <laughs> They're doing some, like, electric work, I guess, on the building. Do you know they're, what I'm talking about? They're, they're trades demons. They're trades demons. They're working their way up to the higher demon status. Um so that woman, remember, the one that was covered in blood, Steve tells her to wait behind. He's going to uh, take care of these two. He goes in, starts punching them. Uh, he immediately gets overcome by these two people, and they beat the living shit out of him and drag him around. The, the woman covered in blood, she's wandering around the basement. She finds Tamara, 
and she reveals that her name is Trixie. And at first, Tamara's not sure if she can trust him, but then... I'm Trixie. The, the guy said he'd help me get out of here. Well, if Steve liked you, then you must be okay. Here, help me get out of here. An award-winning performance from Tamara there. <laughs> <laughs> if Steve likes you, you must be... Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Trixie does help Tamara get free. Uh, more demon imagery. Tamara helps Amy escape. Um, so she's having hallucinations because of the rapture. So we both Tamara and Amy are now both free. Uh, and Sheba and uh, Gabrielle discover that they've escaped. Back with Steve, a female demon. Uh, I believe it's the same one who was... It uh, is. Yeah, it's the same one from earlier who was trying to have sex with Jack. She is straddling him. And she goes, I want you. I'll treat you so good. I'll take you to heights of pleasure that you've ne- you'll never forget. Then you'll never leave me. And then she turns into a demon. Mo, like horns come out of her head. And I wrote in my notes, she's literally horny. <sighs> I quit. <laughs> she says, "She says, get ready, baby. I'm gonna eat you alive." Mo, I think she means literally. Oh my god! Uh, the female demon starts. Um, Ripping up her own guts, I think. Is that what's going on? Well, I, that's what I thought at first, but there's this, like, like right before that happens, there's this flash. Okay, so what happened here is that Tamara has shot her with a machine gun. Right. And, which is very confusing because, of course, there's she no has no gun, gun noise. There's no gun noise. It's yeah, just, it's just a, it's, a, light, a light turns on. It's a flash. Yeah, and it looks like the demon is just pulling her own guts out. Yeah. Um, and Steve was like, where did you find that gun? She's like, it's not that hard to find a gun in here. It's the, I guess that's good enough explanation, Mo. Right. I don't know why they didn't go look for more, because but that seems like it would be really helpful. Right, and doesn't the gun, like, go away almost immediately? Yeah, it's gone after this. Yeah. So Trixie says uh, that she can get out of there. Uh, she's been there since they killed her parents a year ago. Trixie gets cra- uh, grabbed. Remember that woman who uh, helped deliver the full-grown child? Yes. She was a doctor, a female doctor. She shows up and oh, I love she this. grabs Trixie. And then what does she do, Mo? Oh, my God. I love this so much. <laughs> like, I this this came from so out of left field. Like, I didn't no see kidding. it coming this... a mile, uh, like from a mile away. I have but to say, so- it's, it's inspired. It really but is. It, but as soon as it happened, I'm like, this is my favorite moment in the entire fucking movie. So the doctor sort of whips off her uh her her white coat to yeah. reveal like full bondage gear just yes. just full on leather mommy mode you know yes oh <laughs> and it's... so she 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 in this full bondage gear starts attacking steve and she says uh so steve grabs a pole to defend himself and he, she says Nice hard pull there, honey. You happy to see me, or is that just the way you are? Get to wrap your head in 12 layers of steel and give me a radiation suit. <laughs> so I'm not 100% sure what Steve said right then as a response to what she said. It sounded absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah. So the doc beats them all up. Then she gets stabbed with the pole, right? Yeah, it's really disappointing, like, how short this fight is. Yeah, yeah, basic. yeah. So basically she's gone at this point, you know. She does uh, call them stupid fucking cocksucking humans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He stabbed her with the pole. She calls him a cocksucking human, and then she ends up, and then she dies, which is really disappointing because she had very quickly become one of my favorite characters in the uh, in the entire movie. What happens then, Mo? Uh, then it cuts to Gabrielle ugh, talking about. Um, <laughs> 
he he starts talking about how much he loves human women. Yes, but there's a, a, a type. He he has a he has a, no no I'm sorry ex- except he there's yes. there's one exception that, uh-huh. that of human women that he doesn't particularly care for, which is very upsetting because it's actually my type. But he doesn't like fat women. And he, he doesn't like co- him. He doesn't like him thick, right? That's he doesn't. What he, says. he doesn't like him big. You know, he's yeah. not into the big girls, which is a real shame because they're a lot of fun. Well, he's uh, a demon. You can't respect he, his opinion. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, man, he goes off on some real fucking heinous shit too. Like just all like the fucking <laughs> shitty fucking stereotypes that you would hear from from that time period. You know. Well, the best thing though is then Asmodeus shows up, and he has a tennis racket like he's Jim Cornette or some shit. And he says that he was pulled off the court with Andre, and I remember 1997, so I know he's talking about Andre Agassimo. Of course, but I bet no course. one else knows that. <laughs> <laughs> that that is very timely. Yeah, that's that that is not a joke that has aged well. So they are discussing uh, Asmodeus's kid. So he's he has impregnated Amy's mother, Jack's ex-wife. She's going to deliver the Antichrist, and she's very vulnerable right now. So they got to hide her. Uh, so that she's not baptized or exposed to anything holy. That's really important, Mo. I'm certain that not that's not going to happen before the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, if I remember correctly, this scene ends with Asmodeus saying to Gabrielle, you really need to go see my tailor, because he is wearing some crazy <laughs> shit in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember that Antichrist that they really need to protect? Steve runs into her. Right. And it's funny that you mentioned Scooby-Doo earlier, because in my notes here, I said, Steve and the Scooby gang. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, Steve uh, runs into Amy's mom, who is um, brushing the... Oh, yeah, so she's brushing the hair of the Antichrist, I guess. Is that what's happening? I think yeah. that's what's going on. I love how quickly Steve deduces that this is the Antichrist. <laughs> yeah. Like, it takes almost... No thought whatsoever for him. He's just like, they show up. He goes, oh, look, there's a child. That's the Antichrist. <laughs> Steve immediately shoots Amy's mom. She was unarmed. He just shoots her because he's a cop. And that's what cops do. They just shoot people for no good goddamn reason. But, she's was, and, but she wasn't black. Yeah, so that's right. <laughs> so he says, they need to baptize the Antichrist. That's the most important. And he says... There's only one church left practicing Christianity. So this is a hellscape, Mo. One more, only one church preaching Christianity. I do have to say, lucky for that church, they have a hell of a preacher. They got, they have one hell, hell, hell of a preacher. So they take the kid, they run. So who do we got here? We have Steve, Trixie, Amy, Tamara, and the Antichrist. Really great song plays on the soundtrack saying, bring out your dead. Ow! <laughs> So they there's some sort of confrontation where Steve and Tamara stay while the others they're telling the others to go to the church. And it looks like they're all gonna get split up, but that's not really what happens. Steve immediately gets captured, and then Tamara does as well. Um I like how she has this this like women empowerment moment. Yes. Where she where she like demands a knife and she's like, fuck this, I'm I can fight too, yada yada yada. Sure. Uh she and she does manage to stab a guy. I think she stabs the demon guy, the guy who had the the flower vagina earlier. Yeah, I think she. Yeah, I, I believe that is correct, but it does almost nothing to him. Yes. and then <laughs> G- Gabriel and the other demon dude uh, capture her immediately. 
<laughs> Steve is then beat up by Sheba, who's still around. I said she beats him up in the strobe light room because that's there are strobe lights going on. Right. Uh, he he gives her the classic double axe handle to the head, so that seems to do the trick. And well, it was with a knife, so I mean, yes, <laughs> that'll that'll help. Yeah. Uh, Captain Kirk should have thought of that one. <laughs> so I, then we see. Is it Trixie getting choked by a demon? Um, so I, they were supposed to run off, but they really just went to another room. So I think yeah. Trixie gets choked by a demon and Steve rescues her and they take off. Tamara has been tied up by Asmodeus again. And he says that he's going to be her future husband. Yeah, that he's going to, quote unquote, give her life. Uh, and then he says this to her. I know my heart's not all evil. It's not all bad. I mean, who makes the rules? Who is the god? (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, your god twisted all of Satan's religions. Maybe you were taught all wrong. I mean, he's making a lot of good points here. Frankly, uh, I don't know why she didn't just say, hey, let's let's make with this wedding thing and uh, I'll be the new mom of the Antichrist. The funny thing is, is my notes here say he rambles so much against God, it actually makes a lot of sense. I love it. <laughs> it's pretty convincing. Because yeah. he talks about, like, who's this guy that kills children and causes war and famine. Right. And admittedly, that's, like, the best argument against God that, that – I mean, you don't really need anything like that. Guy's killing kids, like, all day, every day. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of his whole thing. So, you know, what a dickhead. What a dick. Anyway, <laughs> the rest of the group, they climb out of a sewer. And they've decided – that uh, they're going to go to Steve's house to get weapons. Is this correct, Mo? Is that what's happening? That's what they say, but that's absolutely not what happens. Isn't it strange? That's like their plan, and then they don't do it. Yeah. So the church is two hours away. Uh, For some reason, um, Trixie seems like she's like freaking out and shaking in the scene. I don't know what that's all about. I guess it's because she hasn't been in the sun for a while. Vitamin D deficient. Yeah, possibly. So... Asmodeus, he's going to marry Tamara at dusk at the church. Uh, Astaroth, who's the demon guy with the uh, plant vagina and penis, he's going to be there. And Gabrielle is also invited. Um, And he tells Astaroth to do something really nasty, Mo. He basically says that he should break in Tamara, which really makes Gabrielle very upset. And he says... Why don't you break her in? Oh, with, with pleasure, master. Oh, oh, this, oh, this is nice. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> you know, the great unmistakable me. <laughs> You're number one guy. You're number one party animal. I, 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 I can out-drink him. I, I, I can out-sneak him. And I'm a mean six-shooter with a love for big hooters. Wow. That, I just want to make it very clear i did not add a fart noise there <laughs> no that's in the movie that's that's in the movie <laughs> uh i'm not gonna lie uh at this point okay so i should explain <laughs> that i watched the last half hour of this movie on my break at work today <laughs> so i brought my laptop with me to work and uh somebody walked in <laughs> to grab something out of the fridge as that line was happening and i'm like Oh, God. No, this is bad timing. (laughs) They're like, what the hell are you watching? I'm like, it would be too hard to explain. It would be very hard to explain. Yeah. So they all pile, all of our good guys, they pile into Steve's car and they drive off. 
And then the owner of the bar, the the one who was uh, uh, Jack's boss, yeah. she's there in a car, and they have a car chase, Mo. A car chase in a Todd Sheets movie. Fantastic. I mean, they do just seem to be circling around the same location for it. But hey, it's very impressive to me. Um, also, sometimes the cars don't seem to be moving at all. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, one of the cars runs into a pole... Uh, and it smash cuts to like a sort of explosion, but it, it's good enough, Mo. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. And, and of and, course, she has she has the only logical response that you could possibly have to a car exploding, which of course is. Hope you're wearing your seatbelt, dumbass. <laughs> so I really pooed. I poo pooed the explosion a little bit. I will not poo poo what happens next, which is. A person comes out of the car, and we see a full-body burn in this movie, Mo. It's pretty fucking cool. It's pretty fucking great, I have to say. All right. Everybody relax. We're getting to the end of the movie now. It's all Dolomite (laughs) from here on out. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. So, the church. The two hours away, last Christian church in New York City. Steve is on the way to it in his car. They run out of gas almost immediately. They just stop the car in the middle of the street and just leave it there, Mo, because why not? Shit's getting bad. Yeah. We cut to church where there is a service occurring, uh, and the preacher is Rudy Ray Moore. Now, for people who don't know who Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore is, Mo, can you explain who he is to us? Uh, yeah, so Rudy Ray Moore is a uh, comedian uh, from the 70s who made... Uh, probably best known for several films uh, he made back in the same era. Uh, Dolomite being the, the most well-known um, and then like Petey Wheatstraw, the devil's son-in-law and uh human tornado and, and sure. uh, a couple of Disco others. Godfather. Yeah. Disco um, Godfather. And he had some, some really fantastic, um, you know, supporting roles in movies like the monkey hustle, which is one of yeah, my fucking favorites. Absolutely. Um, He's he's also uh, one of the people who is vaguely credited with yeah. sort of like the invention of rap. He's he the progenitor, I would say, of yeah. rap music. Because yeah. he released all of these party albums and, and some of the central uh, – because he was like a club comedian. And, yeah. and the things he did were not always jokes necessarily. Sometimes there were these kind of lengthy poems which were – Rhyming poems set to a beat, right? That, like, the know, sig- it, like the signifying monkey, signifying know. monkey, and of course Dolomite yeah. himself and all that, and Shine and the Great Titanic. Um, but these these things could be seen as a precursor to rap music to right. to to the extent that a lot of rappers were strongly influenced and and included references to Dolomite in their music. And I think Dolomite appears on a Snoop Dogg album. I mean, so this character of Dolomite is basically an enhanced version of Rudy Ray Moore himself. So here we have Rudy Ray Moore playing a Dolomite-ish preacher, and he sounds like this. Yes, children, we are the last. And so, my children, we have joined here together today to worship, to show that we do believe in the Almighty. Yes, we truly do believe, and we have the faith to know that he is watching over us. So that yes is very much a Rudy Ray Moore trademark. Um, 
he's obviously reading the lines off of something. But I mean, but that's the thing though. It's like if you've ever been to like a, a Southern Baptist church, nope. <laughs> you know, I mean, but I have, I have, yeah. you know, and like it's not uncommon, you know, like sure. to see a preacher, absolutely, you know, reading off of a thing, and he has some great fucking lines. Like he says something about being even stronger than Godzilla. And that's twice right, as twice mean, as mean. You know, you know, and like I mean, it's it's inspired. Like his his whole. His whole shtick is is so great. We should mention, by the way, this is shot in a real church with yeah. pews full of people. Yeah, uh, and and so they are all extras in this sequence. Uh, I mean, I don't know how Tajit's got access to a real church because things are going to get pretty nasty here pretty soon. But yeah. good on him, man. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's 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 one of the the best location shots I've ever seen in an early Todd Sheets film. Maybe in, in most shot on video movies of this time period. It's yeah, very yeah, rare. exactly. So Steve and his his gang, they all walk in. I, this is at the point where I was like, why did they even mention going to pick up weapons? They obviously did not do that. No. They walk to the front. They tell Rudy Ray Moore that, uh, that he needs to help them. And so he, of course, spits a rap back at him. Mo, it sounds like this. Step back, Jack. You better change your tone of voice. <laughs> you have no choice. I want you to split, and I'm not going to stand for that shit. You do That is some classic stuff oh, right there. Oh, my God. I mean, what a, what a joy it must have been for Todd Sheets to be able to put Rudy Ray Moore in this movie. Um, you know, I, I should say, for anybody who's, like, uh, a fan of Black Dynamite but has never seen the, sure. er, the early, uh, like, exploitation films, it's Bullhorn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a Bull, great. Yeah, he's obviously Bullhorn, just doing Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, he's just Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, with with you know all this saying all the ridiculous things that rhyme. That sort of <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Fucking great. So uh, Steve uh, says that there's a big problem. He's trying to explain what's going on, um, and I think I think I think the preacher goes, "This must be more of that angel dust." <laughs> <laughs> But he's trying to tell him, like, we have the Antichrist. We need to dip this girl into the baptismal. Uh, and then as I love the way show- he pronounces baptismal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, then Asmodeus shows up with his demons and starts shooting people in the head. Because why not? Yeah. And I love this. You know, the actor who plays Asmodeus, he, he, he's not great. But in this particular sequence, he's really, really fun. He introduces himself to the preacher like this. How you doing? I'm Jim Osmodeus, Capricorn, and I'm here to get married today. You want to get married? Well, freak, marry your own self. Uh, every fucking line of Rudy Ray Moore is, is pure fucking gold. <laughs> Gabrielle says tomorrow looks like a goddamn cabbage patch doll. <laughs> Uh, so they taunt her a bit. I mean, th- th- she's been forced now to, to for this wedding, right? And she's trying to fight back, and they're pushing her off. They taunt her a bit, and uh, and he even says, uh, Asmodeus says that after the honeymoon, she's all Gabrielle's. Until then, he, she's all his. So he kisses, um, he kisses Trixie, which is very strange. Well, he yeah, he he sees Trixie, and he like grabs yeah. her by the face, or like wipes some of the blood off of her, and calls her like young and fresh or something. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and gives yeah, but, her yeah, so kiss. I don't think we mentioned she's covered in blood the entire movie. The entire <laughs> fucking movie covered in blood. So yeah, he kisses her and she like transforms into a fucking demon. Now, how does she transform into a demon, Mo? Um, 
through through, through the Hollywood, miracle of computer generated magic through Hollywood magic through, uh, for Kansas, those, through Kansas City magic. For those who lived through the 1990s, uh, there was a love in the early 90s for morphing effects, where one thing morphed into another. Well, that's what's happening here. There's a little bit of morphing going on. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Ray Moore jumps in front, and he tries to do some of his trademark kung fu, where he just kind of shakes his body around in a very unusual <laughs> manner. It's, fun. <laughs> it's so good. Asmodeus calms him down, says him that, tells him that he should sit down and enjoy the party, but he does not respond well to that, he says. Down the hell, I'm going to drag your rank ass through Sunday and be waiting for you on Monday. Uh, bring it on, you senile old bastard. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Unfortunately, that's the last of our Rudy Ray Moore uh, footage because Dolomite yeah. uh, himself <laughs> uh, gets his uh, throat awkwardly slit by Gabrielle. He does say one more thing to him. He goes, I'm going to kick your ass fast till the gas is passed. <laughs> uh, Gabrielle uh, smartly does collect some of the blood from his throat. <laughs> after she, after, uh, after uh, slicing his throat, Gabrielle drinks it and he starts shaking. And he's like, what is this? And what is it, Mo? Um, so this is the point where I thought this was Jack coming back. Sure, if, right? If I'm being completely honest. Jack that, making his triumphant return. Because that would have, you know, made sense. But no, some weird looking ginger kid pops out. And uh, I, I, it takes a minute to realize who he's supposed to be. Because he just looks like, he honestly just looks like fucking... Um, a kid, a red-haired kid. Yeah, he just looks like a fucking redhead kid. Like he looks like I like from fucking Game of Thrones, the fucking dude who brand <laughs> brand teams up with, the one who plays the voice of Ferb on Phineas and I Ferb. don't watch it, Moses, yeah. and none of these references make any sense well, to me. I'm not making them for you. I'm making them for the rest of the audience who knows who the fuck I'm talking so about. So who is he, Mo? Who is this guy? So this is uh Archangel Michael. Yes, this is Michael. Yeah. And he basically says to Asmodeus, he's like, uh, you were used to st- uh, stand beside me. You've lost the love and power of Jehovah. Everyone starts kneeling. Um, and Steve puts the Antichrist in the baptismal. Tamara stabs uh, Astaroth, the other demon, through the eye. And then another character shows up, Mo, guy in a suit. Who's this guy? <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I wish they had introduced this character way fucking early. No kidding, right? Because A, he's a pretty good actor. B, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's okay. He's okay. B, he would have been the most interesting fucking guy in the entire fucking movie. Why is that? Because it's fucking Satan. <laughs> it's Satan himself. He's decided to grace us with his presence in the last couple of minutes of this movie. Literally three minutes left of the fucking movie. Michael is very surprised to see Satan, and Satan says this. Remember what Mo said a moment ago about his acting skill. Nice disguise there, Michael. It fits you. Satan. Surprised to see me? You should have followed me when you could. You are nothing but a memory in the mind of a once mighty god now. (laughs) Did he say Satan? (laughs) Brilliant. It's a brilliant performance. Give that man an award. So Michael says that he's ready to die to God, and then some light shines on him, and he tells Satan to be gone. Satan then just, he yells out no, and they use like a CG effect to morph him into the ear. Air, I should say. Yeah. My Canadian coming out. 
Uh, and that's it. <laughs> Satan has been banished by the Lord, uh, God. <laughs> you know, the Lord God. Yeah, you know, that one. Michael turns to Tamara and he says that he's seen her son and he's waiting for her. And he also mentions they have a place for all of them. So they're all, they have a, a ticket to heaven. It's like it's opened up for them just for all this. They can do whatever they want the rest of their lives. They're okay. going to heaven. <laughs> That'd be really reassuring, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it ain't never going to happen to me, but, you know, whatever. It's all good. That that was the climax of the movie. Satan shows up. Michael banishes him. So two characters that we have not seen in the entire movie, they just get swallowed up. Uh, well, Satan gets swallowed up and just vanishes. Yeah. Uh, what happened to Asmodeus? Uh, I don't know. I, I think he just disappeared. Yeah, he just fucking goes away. <laughs> so they, uh, our main characters, everyone who survived, uh, they're just standing there. So really, it's just Tamara, Amy, and uh, Steve. They're just there, and they don't know what to do. And so they say uh, this. Guess we did it, huh? Yeah. I can eat some breakfast. So they chuckle and walk out of the church, Mo. Uh, so, it, so Amy apparently forgets that her mother and father both just died in front of her. Like, uh-huh. within, within the last fucking 24 hours. Admittedly, you're right. She should be traumatized, very upset. Admittedly, learning that heaven is a real place and that she's going to go there and her... I mean, I imagine her father, who, by the way, never gets brought up in any capacity nope. in the last, like, hour of the movie, that he's probably waiting for her there. So that must be comforting. And, of course, her mom is burning in hell because of course. that's got to be a real thing as well. Yeah. Um, and that's the – that's it. That's the end of the movie. And it, it did remind me a little of the end of Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Fall of the Original Six. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so then we get some shots of New York City. We hear Anoki and Key on the soundtrack shouting about the number of the beast. <laughs> and uh, and then it goes into the closing credits. And that's the end of Violent New Breed from the year 1997, Mo. Sure is. Anything notable about those credits? Didn't watch them. They must have forgot in the credits to include the name of the guy who plays Satan. Because oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did see that pop up. It scrolls down and then it just stops all of a sudden and puts his name on the screen. Uh, and also, Rudy Ray Moore gets an additional dialogue credit, so I guess he wrote his own rap stuff. And I do want to mention that the Spider Demon and Antichrist birthing were created by Mike Strain. So th- that's like the most impressive uh, effects in the movie. So good mm. on Mike Strain for creating those two moments. Yeah. There is no thank you to Jesus at the end, Mo. Which is surprising because, yeah. uh, you know, this must have been the end of his thanking Jesus period. Yeah, and this is the most Jesus-y of his movies in some yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole entire movie is him thanking Jesus. But... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually was looking for reviews of this movie, and one of them was from, like, a faith-based person who said they tracked it down because they, they because of all the religious content, and they were not happy with what they, they saw. <laughs> they were like, this is a very violent movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's one of those things that I've always kind of appreciated about Todd anyway, was the fact that, yeah, you know, he's a, a spiritual person, but, you know, he's also a, a horror 
guy through and through, you know. He he didn't seem to take the spiritual aspect very seriously when we interviewed him and <laughs> asked no. him about it. He didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. But uh but I, I mean have, this I is have, Yeah, but we also introduced uh, interviewed him like years after his like <laughs> seriously religious phase. <laughs> uh so this is a really strange movie in a lot of ways, Mo. The mixture of gore and horror and all of that religious material. And also, you know, even the elements of this kind of not-too-distant future with breeders and who are selling drugs to children. It's a really odd mix. But I have to say, it's pretty inspired. You can see that there's, like, bits taken from movies here and there. Sure. But uh, in terms of a concept, I have to say this is a pretty large concept to try to put together. And I would say it's a pretty coherent movie, if not a very strange one. Yeah, no, it's definitely weird, but in a, if I, deli- if I, in a delightful if, sort of way. If I have any criticism, yeah, look, there, as we've already said before, some of the sound is rough, some of the acting is rough. This is not unusual or unexpected. What was kind of unexpected is that this movie is very long. It's very long. It's like, it's two hours, basically. It's almost, it. yeah, it's like a two-hour movie. A two-hour Todd Sheets movie. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that I can pick and choose right now what I would take out of it, but it does feel like this is a 90 minute movie that has been dragged out to two hours. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, less. like, like honestly, though, like the majority of the movies that we watch that are ridiculously long like this, they're all 85, 75 minute movies that have been dragged out to two hours that don't need to be, you know? I mean, it. That's absolutely 100% the case. Like, you can't, uh, like, my point is you can't blame Todd for that because, like, all, it seems to me like the majority of shot on video, uh, you know, filmmakers have this same quirk. You know, it, it's, I, it's, it's, a, it's a weird balance in the movies we watch, right? Because yeah. it's either they don't have enough content, so the movie ends up being very short, right. or they have way too much they're trying to fit in, and then it goes too long. It's hard right. to find a happy medium. I, I don't mean to poo-poo this very much. I was actually had a great time with Violent New Breed. Yeah. I, I think of the 1990s Todd Sheets movie, uh, movies I've seen, this is far and above the best. Uh, this yeah, is no. one that is very watchable. It's fun. Has that great Rudy Ray Moore stuff at the end. So, you know, you always know that that's coming. Lots of interesting effects. It, it never really slows down. It's not, like, boring or anything along those lines. I am just still confused why they introduce Jack as the main character and then just kill him off and never refer to him again. <laughs> I, I do wonder if there's, like, a story there. But I don't know. They introduced Steve in the movie, so probably not. It leaves me with a lot of questions, Mo And thankfully, this is 2019 So I can just ask those questions to Todd Sheets And find out what the hell's going on Truth Mo, that's it Violent New Breed from the year 1997 On the classic no-budget nightmare scale Which goes from 0 <laughs> to 10 Now we know a couple of digits were taken off For all those dream sequences, Mo What do you give Violent New Breed? 0 to 10 We don't do this No, we certainly don't <laughs> But but still, what did you give it? <laughs> oh, it's probably like an eight, seven. Yeah, maybe. sure. Why yeah. not? <laughs> you know. on, a, on a scale of bullshit, yeah, it's, it's probably about a seven or an eight. It's No Budget Nightmares, the podcast about low-budget, micro-budget movie making where the scores don't matter. Um, yeah. But Mo, now it's time to talk about something a little different. What are we going to watch 
on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Yeah, I don't even fucking remember. What <laughs> For this, uh, since we're we're slow about getting these episodes out, we're going back to a Patreon request. But this is not just any Patreon request. It's from our good friend, Mo, Robert Long, a uh, friend of Don Dolor and, of course, uh, appeared in the WNUF Halloween special, which you can uh, – I, I don't know if the – the crowdfunding has ended on the sequel to that, but I if it's believe, still available, I it has. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it just ended. Hopefully, we are going to see that sequel. It's I, I, good on everyone involved for really trying to put that crowdfunding uh, campaign out there. Um, it, it it obviously was a lot of work, and I hope we're going to see something from it. We'd love to see a sequel to that movie. But Robert Long, good friend of the show, uh, has picked a movie for us, Mo, that you have forgotten what it is. I did because I have a memory like a sieve. Well, Robert said that this is, I believe this might be one of the final films of Don Dohler, if not the final. Uh, it's him and Joe Ripple directed 2007's Dead Hunt, Mo, written by Eric Martin Strauss. It is Dead Hunt from the year 2007, and we are going to watch it on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Of course, George Silver appears too, so that's that's a little treat for us as we're watching. It's always a treat. He's, always a he's, treat? Uh yeah, I love George. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Like always a treat. Yeah, yes. like, like, always oh, a Jesus treat. Christ, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a very assholeish thing. Uh, uh, Dead hunt on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo, people want to check out more about No Budget Nightmares. Where can they do that? Oh, I mean, I suppose if yep. they want to, uh-huh. <laughs> they can pop on over to the Facebook. You know that that book of faces that everybody seems to know and love these days. Uh, do a little search search for No Budget Nightmares or just go right to Facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. Uh, we've had some really nice content put over there. I don't know if you checked it out, Mo. Uh, we've had one of our uh, loyal listeners, the same listener who made us watch Operation Dance Sensation, has uh, put together some uh, really interesting logos for the show. Uh, inspired One of them inspired by Necromantic, which is really nice looking. It um, was really well done. <laughs> yes. Some really good stuff over there. Check it out over on... Uh, Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one I, word. Or if you, I like. Yeah. I, I actually really like what Rob's been doing on the in the group page, where he's putting up the little quizzes. Like, what's this episode from? Well, what What I'm and, realizing is that I don't remember. Any I don't of remember episodes. a goddamn thing. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't remember what I said on the last episode. You're trying to remember, trying to tell me what I remember saying on fucking the suburban Sasquatch episode. I'm I'm, I'm glad I could remember the quote from the movie I'm actually in. But aside from that, <laughs> not having a lot of luck over there. But yeah, there's games and lots of great people over on the Facebook group. Uh, yeah. If you want to check out older episodes, or if you want to help us uh there's links to our patreon uh campaign you can go over to nobudgetpodcast.com check out our archives listen to all the old episodes uh mo anything else going on in your world that you want to tell people about right now at the moment not really if i'm being honest be honest please well i i am being honest (laughs) (laughs) no nothing nothing in particular is happening right now everything's kind of on hiatus uh i'm i'm looking to uh build a new uh, PC setup, and once I have that up and running, then the alt nerd obsessive podcast is going to come back, and uh, I'll probably do a lot more streaming at that point as well. Uh, but until that happens, basically, I'm just kind of in limbo. 
of course, yeah, you can check out the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast over at ericrobertsthemand.com. Um, we recently checked out a diehard ripoff called Heaven's Fire that people might want to read all about or listen all about, I should say, over at Eric Roberts the Man or on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. But you can, of course, find me on Twitter, Mo. We're both on Twitter. You're there at Drunk on VHS, and you can find me at Doug underscore Chili. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And, and Mo, I think since the last time we recorded... I was, uh, because of some of my tweets, they were featured on the Daily Mail uh, in the UK for this And Teen Vogue. And Teen Vogue. Yeah, no, I was all over the place. And BuzzFeed, lucky me, even on the chive. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But uh, uh, what's notable about the Daily Mail, Mo, is that they spelled my name incorrectly. (laughs) Multiple fucking times. I love the fact that you, and you even said this too, and it made me laugh so hard when I read it. You're like, I've spent so many years telling people how to spell my last name, and they misspelled my first name. So and from now from now on he is now Doe Tilly. Doe Tilly, D O U G H. I am now Doe <laughs> underscore. No, I'm not. I'm still Doug Tilly, but uh, in in the UK I'm known only as Doe Tilly. Unfortunately. <laughs> Mo, have you seen any interesting movies lately? Um. Yeah, I actually. Well, I mean, not nothing new, but. Uh, Word. <laughs> but I, I I introduced a uh, a friend to um, the raid. Oh, and, great! Yeah, and like I like when I can introduce movies to people, and then they immediately will now understand that like my if I make a suggestion of a movie that I'm like like it's a movie that I th- I'm 100 percent certain that you're going to like. Sure. So, so now we're making a, a list of movies that we that we need to watch and uh we were supposed to watch the raid 2 last weekend but we forgot because you know <laughs> life happens and uh but we're gonna yeah so we're gonna watch the raid 2 uh i have a bunch of korean crime dramas um you know like a hard day and the veteran sure. that sort of stuff you know uh i'm gonna have them watch uh why don't we play in hell which i know is one of our <laughs> yeah one of, one of our favorite movies like of uh, all get time. well soon uh sean sono the director of uh, uh why don't you play in hell who recently had a heart attack oh no uh, probably because he makes five movies a year but uh yeah. my understanding is that he is recovering well from that incident well that's good that's good um, and, uh, and there is one wild card on that list and I'm interested to see how they react to it, but I'm going to make them watch the greasy strangler. Oh, okay. Well, that, <laughs> that, that's one of those love it or hate it movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, for me, like, like the greasy strangler was a lot like Napoleon dynamite for me. Sure. Like, the first Maybe time a little watched, more intense, but yes. Right. The, like the first time I watched Napoleon dynamite, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? You know, and then the second time I watched it, I'm like, no, this is actually pretty good. I, like, I liked it, you know, and, and it grew on me. But the same thing sort of happened to me with Greasy Strangler, where I watched the first time, and then, but I didn't have to watch it a second time to fall in love with it. I just had to think about it a lot, you know, and like it sort of like dominated my thoughts for like a good three weeks, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and and I got a buddy who I play games with who's a big fan of it, and like we'd start calling each other bullshit artists, and, you know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so like it, it just kind of dawned on me more and more as I was talking about it. I'm like, no, 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 I fucking love this movie. So I'm hoping they have the same reaction, and if they don't, oh well. Yeah, you know. it's not the end of the world. There are lots yeah. of other movies out there. Thanks. Tons of other stuff. Yeah. Mo, I've been getting high and watching movies lately. Oh my god, I wish I could. 
I got high and watched all the President's Men last night. <laughs> I'm not joking. Interesting choice. I I was like, I'm high. What should I watch? And Jill had gone to bed early, and I'm like, I'm going to watch All the President's Men. And I did. I watched it two and a half hours of All the President's Men, and it was great. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. What's great is that a couple of days before, I got high and watched Police Academy 3 back in training. Oh, my God. It's a diverse well, – it's a great thing about living in this awful year of 2019 is that you do have the availability of watching All the President's Men or Police Academy 3 really at any time that you want to. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I like to call it the era of all things at all times. <laughs> Give it all of me is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Right. You know, I mean, and I, I, I have watched some other movies. Like I watched uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I'm just I, trying to think that we were complaining about how long Violent New Breed was, and we're like going longer than that. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> it's a known it's a known fact that every 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 single one of our episodes is a half an hour longer than the movie we covered. You can't get there's no such thing as too much of a good thing. That's what that's what I believe. So uh, <laughs> people who complain about us releasing less episodes than we should be, well, at least they're long when you get them. Yeah, I was going to say, they're fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that said, Mo, I think it's time for us to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> we originally were going to start recording at 1030. Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, my God. How fucking bad would that have been? Oh, when man. They, when, when they called me this morning and said, hey, can you come in and work 12 to 8 instead? I'm like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> Only if you let me watch a movie <laughs> the last half hour of the Violet New Breed on my lunch break. Uh, no, I didn't tell him about that part. I just <laughs> fucking did it. <laughs> I'm getting paid for this. Uh, <laughs> Mo, it's 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 definitely time for us to say goodnight. We are yes. going to be back very soon, Mo. We say that uh, every time. It's it's such a lie at this point. I look, your health is rapidly improving. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna yank that fucking tooth out of your head, and we're gonna yeah. be back very soon with what was the name of the movie again? Dead Hunt. We're gonna be back very soon with the movie Dead Hunt, as uh, requested by Robert Long. Good I'm night. actually, I'm oh. actually very excited about that. Good. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Peace. I will. <laughs> but uh, what I uh, shut up, you rubber-headed no-watch hen bastard! <laughs> you have caused us nothing but misery. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll never be a breed if you keep that shit up. I'm sorry. You know something? You'll be left to wallow in the bowels of a rancid planet, <laughs> where they live like pigs, wallowing in their own shit. I might add. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>